Hi, Close Horse listeners. Welcome to our first ever mini-sode. Basically, it's mini because, well, you're only hearing from me. Oh, yeah, and I forgot to say who I am. I'm Amanda, and I'm the host. And this is Close Horse, the podcast that strives to decode and demystify the fashion industry so you can make better choices for yourself, our planet, and humanity. But, like, no pressure or anything. <laughs> anyway... This is our first mini-sode. Like I said, in a mini-sode, you'll just be hearing from me. No guests. And we're going to cover a really specific topic each time. Like, really specific. So let's get going on this one. I know this is a podcast about fashion. But let's get things rolling with a philosophy lesson. 12th century Talmudic scholar Maimonides identified the eight levels of charitable giving. Each level is higher than the preceding one, like a rung on a ladder. At the bottom is the grudgingly giving donations, like, I guess I have to do this, but I'm definitely not happy about it. The highest level is helping someone before they even need charity, maybe by finding them a job or giving them a loan to start a business basically setting them up for a healthy, happy, prosperous life. The levels in between range from giving less than you should, but at least being cheerful about it, to donating anonymously and also not knowing the identity of the recipient. And there's a lot of nuance in between. But it seems like there might need to be a new rung added for what we are going to discuss today, the donation with purchase concept. I'm sure you've seen and heard some language like this recently. A portion of the proceeds benefit Planned Parenthood, or all profits of this collection go to Black Lives Matter, or hey, help show your support with this sick t-shirt. And as a good person, I know all of you close horse listeners are good people who care about things, because otherwise, you would just be listening to the Dateline podcast instead of hearing sad things about the fashion industry. But also, I fucking love the Dateline podcast, and I get sad on Fridays because there aren't any new episodes. So listening to the Dateline podcast doesn't mean you're a bad person either. (laughs) So, okay. As a good person, well, you want to do good things. So could buying something change the world? Companies that give something back or make a donation with purchase are nothing new. And some brands have actually built their entire identity and business around this premise. For example, Warby Parker donates a pair of glasses for every pair a customer buys. And before Warby Parker, there was Tom's, donating a pair of shoes to a child in need for every one pair of shoes sold. In fact, and this is kind of crazy, but crazy good, Tom's gives away $1 for every $3 they make. So awesome. It's no surprise that more and more brands are jumping in on this concept. In 2018, 38% of Gen Zers and 42% of Millennials said they purchased a product that donated the proceeds to a charitable cause. In other words, there's some big business happening here. This practice is called cause marketing, and I think it's important to draw your attention to that name again, cause marketing, because it functions as a really low-cost marketing tool. Cause marketing has been around since at least 1983, when American Express offered to donate a portion of a particular credit card's revenues to the renovation of the Statue of Liberty. Every time a customer used the card over a three-month period, 
one cent was donated to the fund to restore the Statue of Liberty. The brand ended up raising about $1.7 million, which is more than $4 million today. This was so successful that card use rose over 30%. And when you think about it, it felt like a win-win for the company and the consumer. The consumer got to feel patriotic, like they were doing something good for the world, but with like a minimum amount of effort. Basically, you're telling me I can just be a hero by spending money? Oh my God, like sign me up. And sure, the company was losing one cent to this donation, but they were charging retailers and restaurants about a dollar for every transaction. So we're talking about a loss of 1% here. Furthermore, it's hard to get good press as a credit card company. I mean, there's nothing charitable or heroic about interest rates. At the same time, 21 other companies pledged donations as part of a sponsorship role in the restoration. These donations totaled about $69 million, and that was in 1983 money. American Express declined the opportunity to officially sponsor the restoration because there were too many other brands involved and it was becoming, quote, too hard to rise above the noise, end quote. In other words, it would be too easy for the public to miss the company's good deeds because they would be drowned out by the other sponsors. But brands were beginning to see that cause marketing could be a huge benefit to them. Remember Tang? I've since blocked out the terrible faux orange flavor. I really hate faux orange flavor. Like, I'm looking at you, try a minute. You ruined it for me. <laughs> but I know some of you have fond memories, and most of them involve outer space. Well, sales of Tang rose 13% between August and December 1985. Was it a hot advertising campaign? Some great coupon deals? No. The only promotion the company had used during that period was a sponsorship of a march across America to benefit mothers against drunk driving. The fight against breast cancer has widely benefited from these campaigns. Or at least retailers and brands have benefited from these campaigns. I'm sure you've become nearly immune to all of the pink product that is available for sale in October, otherwise known as Breast Cancer Awareness Month. A wide range of pink products, from cake icing to socks to slow cookers, all promising a nebulous give-back component with a donation of some sort to a breast cancer charity. However, this virtual industry of pink products has spiraled so far out of control with very little transparency and accountability for the companies selling the product. In 2002, Breast Cancer Action launched Think Before You Pink, a response to the growing concern about the overwhelming number of pink ribbon products and promotions on the market. This project pushes for more transparency from these companies, like how much is actually being donated. I mean, no one knows. But Think Before You Pink is also pushing customers to do just that. Think before they buy something pink. The term pinkwashing has been created to speak to the startling hypocrisy amongst these companies who are often creating pink product using chemicals and processes that may cause cancer. Or, at the very least, pretending to care about breast cancer by making these pink products while also producing other products that may cause cancer. Like, what? I think my brain just exploded. So back to the term for this, cause marketing. Companies don't engage in cause marketing just because they want to give back so badly. I mean, in that case, they would just make a direct donation and it would result in a lot less pink whisks and poly blend graphic tees ending up in Goodwill stores and landfills. 
They do it because they will get more of your business. In fact, surveys show that almost 90% of consumers say that given similar price and quality, they're likely to switch to a brand associated with a good cause. So brands get your money, and then they get to bask in the glow of good press and fuzzy customer sentiments. Remember the old American Express Statue of Liberty campaign from like, oh, I don't know, three minutes ago? <laughs> well, a year later, AT&T sponsored the 1984 Coast to Coast Olympic torch relay. No word on how much that actually cost them. And I mean, I don't even, I can't even speculate. I'm expecting just some lighter fluid for the torch and some Gatorade for the runners. But, you know, I'm sure it's more complicated than that. A later survey of telephone users found that they would be more likely to choose AT&T in the future because they had good feelings based on the torch sponsorship. So there you go. Cause marketing has really blown up in the Trump era with so many things we care about being on the verge of destruction. We have to protect Planned Parenthood. We need to help undocumented immigrants get out of detention centers and back with their families. We need to ensure that kids of color get access to good education and healthcare. We need to reduce black maternity mortality. I mean, I could go on all day listing the things that I care about and the things we need to change. There are certainly a lot of causes and issues that need our help and our money right now. And savvy brands know this. As long as I've been working in the fashion industry, Trend forecasters and industry analysts have always been saying, millennials only want to buy from brands that are engaged in social causes. And you know, while I wish that were true, and maybe to a certain extent it is, it certainly doesn't explain why we're all filling our cards at Zara and Boohoo. Cause marketing benefits brands in a ton of ways you might not be thinking. For one, selling anything, even if you're donating most of the proceeds, provides cash flow for struggling brands of a fundraiser tee can pay the bills for a couple of months with the donation happening after the company is in a better position. And I'm not saying this always happens, but it certainly occurs sometimes. Next, it's basically free advertising. For one, gives the customers those warm and fuzzy feelings. The charity itself might give the brand some free publicity via social media and email. And maybe if the brand's PR team is smart enough, some big news outlets will pick up the story like Refinery29 or Bustle, or maybe even something mega huge like the Today Show. Boom, new customer acquisition that didn't cost the brand a dime. Because actually brands spend a lot of money trying to woo in new customers via promo codes and paid social media ads. As an added bonus, when it's time for these customers, both the new ones and the old ones, to buy something that they could just get just about anywhere, like socks or a gift for a friend, they'll remember how this brand did that super brave thing by raising money for Planned Parenthood or cancer research. I'm sure we are all going to see a lot more cost marketing as the coronavirus pandemic and all of the economic fallout progresses. Brands are going to be looking for new ways to bring in new customers as their established customers have less money to spend. Plus, there will be a lot of causes to market around. And lastly, this one's a little hard to explain, and I rewrote this section like 20 times, so hopefully I finally nailed it. Okay, so a lot of brands that have already co-opted some sort of social justice activism as part of their brand identity, like feminism or mental health or everyone's favorite like girl bossing stuff or to be honest, even just like general liberal values. Well, they kind of have to implement some sort of give back structure here and there, 
or they can easily be called out for using a cause or a movement as a means of making money. We're talking about places that are so regularly using a cause as marketing that it's actually part of their brand DNA. I mean, really, you shouldn't be making money off of feminism or socialism or really any ism. So, for example, if you've made a big chunk of money selling accessories that speak to, like, say, mental illness, then someone on social media is going to ask you, it's going to happen, it's like inevitable, uh, hey, it's me over here, uh, it seems really fucked up that you're profiting off an entire community's struggle with depression and anxiety, and you know what? I fucking love these people. Keep up the good work. Because enough of us aren't asking questions or stating the tough truths. Brands see these comments, even if they aren't acknowledging them, and they are frightened. There is true fear that all of a sudden, all of the customers will stage a revolution against them for profiting off of mental illness or feminism or general human rights. So cause marketing can kind of keep the wolves at bay. And guess what? We are the wolves. To be fair, there may be brands who are capitalizing off of beliefs from the other end of the spectrum, hawking t-shirts that say like, no abortions for anyone, or notebooks that say, I'm racist and I love it, or maybe a wall hanging that says, up with patriarchy. I mean, I have no idea. But once again, I'm assuming that these brands, which hopefully don't exist, would also feel pressured to give back since they are co-opting a movement as a part of their brand identity. Most of the cause marketing we see these days comes in a few primary forms. One is like a special limited one of a kind created just for this fundraiser item like a t-shirt. But I've also seen lipsticks, bags, pins and patches, notebooks, jewelry. I mean, really just about anything or a blanket, everything we sell for a limited time only up to a certain limit, or maybe it's just like a specific collection or group of products. Today, I want to help you make sense of when you should buy into this cause marketing and when you should pass. First off, before we go further, let's talk about when we see our favorite vintage seller, artist, or Etsy shop donating profits or a portion of sales to a cause. In this situation, you should absolutely support them if you need the things they are selling. You're not only supporting a cause, you're supporting a small business. And I like that. Furthermore, these small businesses of one or two or like maybe three people are literally donating a part of their paycheck to causes they believe in by running these special promotions. I mean, that's awesome. So most of the discussion today is really about brands and retailers that are more than just a handful of people working on something. So let's talk about the overall drawbacks of cause marketing. One is that more stuff gets made, more stuff gets sold, more stuff ends up buried at the bottom of your closet or in a Goodwill bin or, gosh, I hate to say it, but in the landfill. And often this stuff isn't the best cover because the brand doesn't want to lose money on selling this to you. And we'll go through all the different language and what that says about the donation. That will help you understand why it's in the brand's best interest to not use some kind of ethically made, long-lasting product for this fundraiser. It will be expensive. So this t-shirt is probably going to be a poly blend. The fit might be strange because it's an off-the-shelf blank instead of something with a custom fit. It's not going to last forever. And also, let's not forget the carbon footprint of making something, shipping something to the warehouse, shipping it to you, and so on. And, and then there's the poly bags and the boxes and the shipping labels. And, you know, even if this stuff is recyclable, it's still consumption. 
energy is still required to make it all. If we want to go really deep into this, we could ask ourselves, who made this? Like, who are the workers sewing this, screen printing it, packing it, driving it to the shipping depot? Are those people being paid fairly? And does their quality of life align with not only our values, but the values of the organization that is supposedly benefiting from it? Because we don't know, right? And once again, if the idea, at least ostensibly, of this product is to maximize the donation to the nonprofit, then the product itself should be pretty cheap in nature, right? Because we want to donate as much money as possible. And we know that cheap goods have a human price. Another concern is that the donation usually ends up taking a long time to reach the source. A brand is going to want to hold off on actually writing the check to the charity until everything has been shipped to the customers and any returns or damages have been reconciled. Furthermore, someone has to actually calculate the donation and how that correlates to the actual cost of the product. And sometimes this can take a long time, like months and months, because often the product hasn't even been made at the time you order it. That's another way the brand mitigates the risk. You can't put a bunch of very specific fundraiser tees on Markdown because you bought too many. I mean, that's a really bad look. So the product is usually made after the customers order it. And then the brand or retailer is going to order exactly the number bought with a few extra units thrown in to account for replacements for lost packages or damages along the way. And I don't know what you think about this, but in my opinion, waiting to make that donation, well, it's kind of messed up. Anything urgent can't wait three months, right? I mean, the main part of the crisis could be over by then. And maybe it won't be, but these kinds of fundraisers emerge because of an emergency. So waiting a quarter of a year or longer to make the donation is really unfair. And I would also say it's misleading to the public because you assume that somehow that money's going to be teleported to the charity next week. And you're, you're not wrong or naive for thinking that. Cause marketing can be confusing and vague. It's always good to check out the fine print. Like, is it $1 donated up to $5,000? Is it only even like $500? It's important to look for this information. And if it's not there, ask. Frequently, there's a cap on this kind of donation. And as a customer, you have a right to know the full picture. Okay, so let's detangle the language. There are two primary phrases that are used to explain the charitable donation. The first one is portion of profits. You've definitely seen that or heard it. This one is pretty simple to untangle. Well, like, sort of. We're talking about the money that is left over after deducting the cost of the actual item. Any designer production costs, screen printing or embellishment like embroidery, and really all of the things we've talked about in previous episodes, like labels, stupid hang tags, shipping from overseas if applicable. You're expecting that, right? Yeah, you're like, yeah, of course, I'm an expert now in cost of goods. But wait, there are other overhead expenses that must be deducted before we get to an actual profit number. We discussed this in episode two with Janine. So marketing costs are usually pretty high, and that can include any paid social media advertising, the graphic designer who created the marketing assets, the number of hours the marketing manager worked on this project, and so on. A lot of brands are also going to deduct the handling costs associated with receiving and putting away the product at the warehouse. In other words, the wages of the workers involved. 
And they might also deduct the number of hours and the subsequent wages for the buying team members that worked on it. I mean, it can get really granular here. So let's travel back in time for a moment to episode two, when Janine talked to us about the average profit margin for a specialty retailer. It was about 7%. Okay, remember that number. So let's assume that the special give back item you're about to buy is a $40 t-shirt. If the brand is donating profits in its purest, most literal form, then 7%, that's the profit, remember, 7% of $40 is $2.80. So the brand will be donating about $3 to the designated charity from the purchase of that shirt. And it could be as high as 10%, so maybe it's more like $4. It's not a ton of money, right? So here's where I would ask you to ask yourself a few questions. Do I actually want this shirt for reasons that have nothing to do with the charitable component? Because, you know, maybe it's super cute and you think you're going to wear it all the time. And in that case, I would say, okay, go ahead and order it. But let's say you did some soul searching here and you realize that, you know, eh, I'm really only buying this because of the give back. And I already have too many shirts that I don't wear. In that case, I would say don't buy the shirt and donate $40 to the charity in question. And that outcome You're not sending another shirt to the landfill in a few months or years, and you're giving a lot more money directly to the charity. There's like no waiting around. But also, it's really important to scrutinize the language that the brand is using. For example, some brands might say something like 1% of profits, and now we're looking at a very different number. And to be clear, I see 1% of profits used more often than I would like. It's very common. So let's break that down. Let's go back to the $40 t-shirt. We've already determined that the profit in this situation would be $3 to $4. So that's that $3 to $4 is 100% of the profit. 1% of the profit would be 3 to 4 cents. Yes, I just said cents. And even if the brand is saying 10% of profits, well, then we're looking at 30 to 40 cents. Once again, I would want you to ask yourself, do I really want this shirt for reasons that have nothing to do with charitable giving? Because that's the only reason you should buy this shirt. The charity donation component is non-existent. I mean, we're talking less than a dollar here. And if you pushed me harder for my opinion on this, like maybe I was just trying to be nice and not totally womansplain this to you, I would say that you shouldn't ever buy anything from this brand, ever because they are exploiting a cause as a marketing ploy. Because this donation is negligible, and unless they sell one million units, this fundraiser will have no impact for the recipient. And to be clear, lots of brands do this percentage of profits of sales goes to this charity maneuver. And the only number that's really acceptable in this situation, in my very cynical and mathematical opinion, is 100%. And even then, I would say that the impact on the charity is still pretty minimal because then we're once again, we're looking at this like three to four dollars idea. And what are they going to do with that? Another phrase that we often hear is proceeds of sales go to XYZ charity. In its most basic form, proceeds should mean every cent that the sale of the garment generates. That would mean that the brand is donating the actual thing you're buying. So the cost of making it will not be deducted from the donation. So if you're buying that $40 tea, $40 is going to charity. 
this is a lot more impactful. And to be honest, it denotes a greater commitment on the part of the brand because they are actually giving something too. Maybe it's their own cash investment or maybe it's inventory they already have. And in that way, it's almost more like they're matching your donation. But once again, I would ask if you want that tea because it's cute and you're going to wear it or because of the charitable donation. If you promise me you're going to wear it at least 20 times, then buy it. If you're still only buying it because of the give back, stop right there. Goodwill isn't looking for more t-shirt donations anytime soon. Just give $40 directly to the charity. Are you noticing a pattern here? But back to this proceeds idea. Oftentimes the language is portions of the proceeds, which could literally be just about anything. In this situation, I would advise you to ask the brand exactly what the percentage is, or better yet, ask them precisely what the dollar amount is. It might be hard to get an answer here, and that's a red flag that you should stay away from that brand. And one more thing to call out when we talk about proceeds. The language there is pretty murky, and it can actually just refer to profits. And we've already calculated that, so we know it could just be a few dollars. Honestly, there just isn't a lot of regulation in this area. I say, when in doubt, just ask the brand. And if they won't answer you or their response is a vague word salad, skip it. Once again, we shouldn't be rewarding brands that use serious causes as a marketing tool. Remember, your money is as powerful as your vote. Don't vote for assholes. And a brand that uses the suffering of immigrants or inadequate healthcare as a marketing tool is definitely an asshole. Another give back tactic that brands use is a portion of profits from all sales today or all the profits from all sales today, some variation of that language. Basically, anything you buy from that retailer on that day will result in some sort of donation. Okay, we know by now, by doing our $40 tea exercise, the odds are pretty high that the donation will not be very significant because profits or a portion of profits tend to actualize at just a few dollars in the best case scenario or mere pennies in the worst case scenario. And as you probably guessed, it's time to ask yourself some questions. Here we go again. Okay, were you planning on purchasing something from this brand in the next few weeks anyway? Well, if the answer is yes, then by all means proceed. If you're planning to buy something anyway, this is a good time to do it. At least you can know that something will be donated to a charity support. And once again, you're going to buy something anyway. That said, don't go above and beyond in your purchase. Like, don't just buy extra stuff in hopes of driving up the donation. Only buy what you were already planning to buy. If you weren't planning on buying anything from this brand, then stop right now. If you're being motivated by the charitable give back, then just donate directly to the charity. Odds are high, as I've said before, that your direct donation will be far more impactful because it's more than a few cents or a few bucks and it will happen in a more timely manner. Okay, what if the language is really specific? One you're probably seeing a lot right now is like, for every mask sold, a mask is donated. I like this approach because it's straightforward. Still, I would double check for language that indicates a maximum donation like up to 500 masks because what if you're the 501st customer? I mean, maybe it doesn't even matter because you, you still probably need a mask, but still, it's important to know. Once again, 
I bet you know what I'm going to ask you to ask yourself. Do you really need this item or are you buying it because of the give back? If it's a mask, I bet you do. But if it's something random like a purse or a calendar, maybe you would be better served to just donate to an organization that is already providing masks to essential workers. I bet you knew I was going to say that, didn't you? (laughs) I think it's really important to call out that all of this cause marketing actually can hurt the charities. A 2011 study found that people gave less money in direct donations to charities when they made cause marketing purchases. Basically, they were saying to themselves, okay, I already did my charitable giving for the year. Interestingly enough, the same study also found that this cause buying had a tendency to decrease happiness. Probably because at our core, we all know that buying a $40 t-shirt with a tiny give back is self-serving when we could just give $40 directly to a charity. And I also have to tell you some other bad news. Corporate giving, including these fundraiser items, is a tiny portion of the money donated to nonprofits in our country. The organizations need us and our money. They would prefer that we just donate directly to them. So what's my ultimate advice to you? I guess I would say this. If you need something like genuinely need the specific item and you promise you'll wear it many, many, many times and it happens to have a charitable give back component, then go for it. You have my blessing. But be aware that there are hidden, somewhat intangible costs to cause marketing. Creating new stuff to sell just to maybe donate a few cents or a dollars to a charity is still making new stuff. So there's consumption of energy and raw materials and people's time and you know, possibly environmental damage from dyes, washes, screen printing chemicals, and so on. And this product, no matter how good and pure the intentions behind it are, has a carbon footprint from numerous rides in trucks, maybe a boat, possibly an airplane. So if you're motivated by the beguiling mix of a cool brand and a cause you support, well, step away from the computer, put your phone away, and get out your checkbook and write a check directly to the charity. (laughs) Okay, wait, actually, you could probably just make the donation online. So go back to your computer, close the window with the irresistible graphic to you that will inform the world that you did something good and open a new window. Google your favorite nonprofit organization and get your credit card number ready. Thanks for listening to our first ever mini-sode. Do you have any call-outs about cause marketing? Any strange or exciting experiences with it? More questions about it? I mean, maybe you totally disagree with me. I want to hear from you. If you have a topic you would like me to untangle, drop me a line. I'm always looking for suggestions. You can reach me at clotheshorsepodcast at gmail.com or DM via Instagram at Close Horse Podcast. And new and exciting, now we're on Twitter, at Close Horse Pod. We couldn't fit cast in there. It was too long. Hopefully, by the time you listen to this episode, we will have tweeted something, but I'm totally new to Twitter, and I don't even know where to begin. 
I only know that if you subtweet someone, you're shading them. That's all. So I'm going to try not to do that. (laughs) Anyway, if you have a moment, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. The more reviews we have, the more likely we will reach other people. It's all about those algorithms. And we want to inform as many people as possible. So maybe that's a way we can get there. If you super love what's happening here, please share with a friend. Special thanks, as always, to Dustin Travis White for our sick music and all of his audio expertise. Bye.